Jalen Smith named to the all-Summer League first team, Devin Booker's place in the NBA MVP odds, and to close the show, some thoughts on the Suns getting better in an unexpected area this offseason, all of it, coming up next on Locked On Phoenix Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. And I have not begged you recently to subscribe to this YouTube channel, so it is right down below. We are still in the feeling out process, as I'm sure some of you have noticed, but I appreciate each and every one of our subscribers. Giveaways galore. I wanted to reach out to you guys. Brandon Higgins, Brett Higgins. I'm having trouble because of the channel name here on YouTube. You are the winner, B Higgins. We'll just go with that. And you are the winner of this orange towel. I have been trying to get a hold of you. I can't seem to find contact info. Please, if you are listening or watching this, reach out to me. I have an envelope that I purchased from the post office just for you. I have postage ready to put onto it and send it in the mail. It is yours. I, lo- I, I, I want to send it to you and I just cannot seem to get a hold of you. So that is for you. Kelly Oubre, bobblehead, swaggy, you know, got the Converse on, got the AirPods and got the Wave jacket. That could be yours if we get to 1,000 subscribers It's a simple ask. We are more than 20% of the way there. It is coming along very, very nicely, but we are going to need everybody. So tell your friend, tell your girlfriend, tell your boyfriend, tell your mom, dad, son's fan, tell your season ticket holder buddy that you need to subscribe to this channel. But let's get to the show. Again, Jalen Smith named the all-summer league team, first team. Devin Booker's place in the MVP odds ahead of Chris Paul. And to close the show, the Suns getting better, getting more of a category that you might not have expected. So let's start with Jalen Smith, because this is how these shows are going to be during the offseason. I'm going every day, at least through the end of August. That is what I can commit to you guys. And what it means is we're going to have some grab bag types of topics. Unless the Suns do use their 15th roster spot, maybe they'll sign another two-way player. Maybe there will be an interview that comes along, but unless there is big news like that, we're just going to pick and choose from around the Suns world, and today's news, there is some, but it's also going to include some of these other more analysis topics. So here is Jalen Smith getting this all-Summer League first-team spot, four straight double-doubles, 16.3 points per game, 12.5 rebounds per game in the Suns' Summer League run, of course, they finished two and three. A couple of big games, of course, from Jalen Smith. So not exactly a surprise. He played a ton of minutes. He put together some big stuffed box scores during the Summer League run for the Suns in Las Vegas. So it shouldn't come as a big surprise to anybody that he was named to this roster or this, this uh, reward team, award team. But it is surprising in one way because I think 
my reaction, many of your Suns fans' reactions to Jalen Smith's Summer League was pretty down, admittedly, right? I mean, I think there were a lot of people who were watching this guy and didn't feel super jazzed about him. So it is a little bit surprising, just if you were to compare the reaction to the fact that he's going to have this, I don't know, what, does he get a medal? Does he get a little tiny trophy? I would love to see if, is it like a, it should be a little recreation, like the type of small trophy that you would get in like youth sports of Jack Cooley. And then if a team, if a player happens to play for a team that Cooley played for, I think that it should be Cooley in the jersey of that team. And that's the trophy that you get. That's what I hope the all summer league roster trophy looks like. I don't know for sure. It might just be a certificate. It might just be an email. I I really couldn't tell you. However, I do think that there's more to this run by Smith than maybe not meets the eye, but then I think the the reaction sort of uh, would indicate, right? I think he was was criticized by me. I, I, I think that they should continue to explore trades. We'll all, we'll all see how that plays out. It'll actually go into what we're going to talk about in the last segment. But um, he did two things really, really well, and a few other things slightly well. And I have to give a shout out to my man, Trevor Booth, I'm hoping to get on this podcast at some point soon, who writes about the Suns over at Bright Side of the Sun and was my comrade at a lot of these Suns games, covering them in person throughout the course of the season. He wrote a big, long breakdown over at Bright Side of the Sun on Jalen Smith, and it's worth your time. Check out and read it if if you want to, but a ton of clips from Smith's performance and the things that jumped out to me, the two really good things, rebounding and shooting. And look, there are areas that we've already covered. I mean, it was the billing on him on draft night. Like we all knew that Jalen Smith was going to be able to do those two things, but 12.3 rebounds per game and pretty consistent high level volume and effective and accuracy on his threes is really good stuff. I mean, yes, it's summer league competition, but I said early on with this summer league thing that a top 10 pick should be able to dominate at Summer League. And while I wouldn't necessarily say that what Jalen Smith did was dominating, I also think in the two categories that we know him to be best at and the the attributes that he's supposed to bring, he did dominate. He was pretty dominant when it came to rebounding and floor spacing. So I think you can feel pretty good about those things translating. And I also think the fact that he is a little bit of a smaller guy as far as his frame goes and his hips and, and just overall strength, the fact that he's able to still rebound based on his positioning, boxing out, and his leaping ability, that's all really good stuff. And I think it, it lends well to, um, I think getting on the court in the NBA is often just about having a few things that you can consistently do at a very high level. And I think being able to rebound and, and space the floor is going to be at least a starting point for Jalen Smith to get on the court. The other couple of things that I think would I would say were maybe more of a work in progress, but at the very least looked promising were his ability to put the ball on the ground. I know a lot of people got very sort of enamored of his uh, grab and go stuff, his, you know, getting a rebound and, and, and taking the ball up the floor and doing something with it. But I think even potentially more impressive, just because it's, it's more likely to actually happen in an NBA game. Look, we're not going to see Smith bringing the ball up the floor in the NBA anytime soon is his ability to attack closeouts and using the floor spacing ability. He can he has a real way of 
um, getting close to the ground on his drives, which is a very difficult thing for a large player to do. It's also just a difficult thing in general to get the hang of because it's, I would imagine, feels pretty unnatural, right? To compress your body like that, become more aerodynamic, become more angular with your drives and become faster going downhill. And Smith seems to have that at a pretty solid level for his age and and for how big he is. So that's a a really positive area. And I also think his mobility on defense seems a little bit better than I might've guessed. So those things are likely to, I mean, he still gets caught up on screens. He is still, you know, not somebody you would want to be switching, but I think those skills showing flashes at least are promising in that they are skills. He's going to need to be able to play the four. And we know that the Suns roster, mostly because of the presence of DeAndre Ayton, is built in a way that Smith ideally should be playing the four. If he's going to be, if he's going to provide the best value he can provide to this Suns team, it's going to be playing the four next to DeAndre Ayton. And being able to put the ball on the floor a bit, attack closeouts a bit, defend in space, if those things are, are continuing to get better, and he has these other skills that are going to allow him to play right away at least um, that those things are going to translate right away, I think you're working with something. Now, he is on the older end already. We, we don't know what it'll look like when it's against, you know, the elite of the elite in the regular season. All of that is still to be determined. But I think the fact that the stats were there, the fact that some of these things did pop over the course of the Summer League run, maybe people like me did overreact. Now, I still think trading him is probably a a good way to build the roster going forward in, in a lot of ways. And I also think that I'm still going to maintain that the roster was not built for him to succeed. And it, it really jeopardized the amount that you could learn about him during summer league, but all in all, a very solid performance and promising in a variety of ways for Jalen Smith. We will see what his fate ultimately is, whether he can succeed in the regular season doing these things, but good start for sure. We'll get to Devin Booker's MVP odds, courtesy of Bet Online, in just a moment, where they rank what the likelihood is that he could actually win the MVP award, and my um, pessimism on it. In just a second, first though, a quick word from Sweatblock. Sweatblock is the secret to confidence that you can keep in your back pocket. What I mean by that is maybe you have a big presentation or meeting in your workplace. Maybe you are meeting somebody that's important to you for the first time or the first time in a long time. I know a lot of that is happening this summer after so many of us were unable to travel last year. Or maybe you're going out on a date. You're meeting somebody that you want to impress and look good for. Whatever the situation might be, Sweatblock is the solution. Again, a little secret to confidence in your back pocket. All of those situations lead to that anxiety, that stress, that nervousness that can lead unfortunately, to some extra moisture, whether that is underarm or anywhere else, it adds to the stress. It adds to the anxiety. It can be a bad downward spiral when you start to overthink. And now I'm, oh, there's sweat. And now I'm smelling. And oh, it's really a bad situation. Sweatblock solves all of it. It is not like your typical deodorant that you might have tried before. That's why it works so well. Think of it like a wet nap. You apply it under your arm or wherever that moisture is coming from, stops it in its tracks, Sweat gone, odor gone, nervousness gone. You can wear what you want to wear, and it is small enough to bring in anybody's toiletry bag, office bag, whatever it might be, or right in that back pocket, like I said. 
Sweatblock has a dry shirt guarantee, meaning that if you don't keep yourself dry with the product, you get your money back. It really works, folks. You can keep it on for up to seven days after use. Uh, I, I don't know if you should test that. You might as well just make sure, but you do not have to worry about this stuff wearing away at all. If you or someone you know deals with nervousness, anxiety, sweat, oh wait, that's everybody. You must check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off by going to sweatblock.com using the promo code locked on. That's again promo code locked on at sweatblock.com to get 20% off your order or check them out at Amazon or CVS. Today's show also brought to you by Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. My favorite protein bar, really the healthiest candy bar ever might be the better way to put it and before long a member of our Arizona community that's right a distribution center popping up here in the valley courtesy of Built Bar you're going to get your bars faster you're going to not have to worry about them melting you're going to see Built Bar in the community whether that is at sporting events maybe at your local park maybe at a festival who knows Built Bar will be around they will support this community they will support our teams, and there's nothing better than that. Look, I know it has felt odd to follow sports this year, but I do think one of the greatest things is having people who have your back, who are on your side. So try your favorite Bilt Bar again. I just had a coconut. I forgot how good coconut was. Or maybe try something new, maybe the orange or the cookies and cream specials just for the summer by going to built.com and using the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, Devin Booker's MVP odds. Got to shout out my man, Tomer Azerly of Clutch Points for tweeting these out. I didn't get these sent to me. Normally, BetOnline is on top of it, sending me stuff if it pertains to the Suns. In this case, I did not get them. I guess it's because the... People just don't really believe in Devin Booker, but the odds are actually on his side a little bit. So you have the usual suspects at the top. So do not get me wrong. I agree with this for the most part. Although Giannis, I think he's going to have to wait his turn. I think he might get a legacy MVP at some point, but I think the back-to-back MVPs, now he has his finals MVP. We like the newness. So him being so high, I tend to disagree with. Jokic back-to-back seems very unlikely for a center. But other than that, you have Luka, Steph, KD, Embiid, Lillard, LeBron, Harden, Tatum, Trey Young, which is start to Tatum and Trey Young is I think where you start to you can pick some nits and and, and I might hear you out on them as it pertains to Devin Booker. Booker, uh, so Young is 16 to 1, tied with Tatum, both of those guys 16 to 1. Then you drop all the way to 22 to 1 for Devin Booker, and then right behind him, Chris Paul at 25 to one. So both long shots, right? I mean, very, very unlikely, but still within the top 10 to 15 guys in the NBA. And the fact that they're both so close, I think also explains why odds makers might want to hedge their bets a little bit with the odds and and not put one so far above the other. You want to even them out and that's going to deflate each of them, right? They're going to sort of split the vote, so to speak. I think it's fair is my main point. I went into last season Feeling like Devin Booker, because look, the MVP vote is five players. There's tons of media who vote on this stuff. So I felt like it was somewhat likely or possible at the very least that Booker could exit last season getting MVP votes. I really thought after what he was able to do in the bubble, the fact that he'd become such an efficient three-level scorer and a better playmaker and a better defender, felt like, okay, 
They're getting Chris Paul. They have a better roster around them. I think we could see Booker score 30, close to 30 a game, get some MVP votes. Obviously, fourth or fifth place votes, not win the MVP, but I really thought that was happening last year. It turned out that because of some of the narrative stuff, some of the on-off numbers, and the rejuvenation that sort of took hold here, that it was Chris Paul who who got the lion's share of that attention. And maybe I should have seen that coming, but I'm not giving up hope on Booker putting together a season like that. I think he will have the ball in his hands more this year. I think he will have the opportunity to play make a little bit more and score in different ways after installing more offense over the course of this offseason and training camp. So I think we could see that offense tick back up in the right direction for Booker. And I trust the defense. I know the numbers don't always agree with me, but I'm I'm going to die on this hill that Booker is average, if not better than that on the whole as a defensive player at this point in time. He's a little he's really not great off the ball because he he has those times where he misses assignments, misses rotations, and if you couple that with the fact that he doesn't really get steals or blocks or any of that stuff. I think he's a fine help defender like at the rim, but he doesn't have to do that very often. And then on the ball, I think he's getting toward being pretty darn good if that is all he really has to focus on. It is an isolation or a late clock situation, a switch. He's really good at that. So, I think that as a whole full player He's trending in that direction. But at the end of the day, I do think 10 to 15, that's probably the range he should be in. My other point here, though, if we agree he's trending in the right direction, but probably a a big long shot to actually win the award this year, is it is extremely rare for a player like Devin Booker to win the MVP. And I don't think I realized that when I was thinking about, oh, he's going to get these MVP votes heading into last season. I don't think I got that because I was just sitting there sort of thinking, well, he's going to score a lot. He's going to be on a good team. He's a pretty good playmaker. He's a pretty good defender. Sounds like a guy who could, and he's going to be on a high-seeded team. Sounds like a player who could be in the MVP race, you know, on the outskirts. But if you go through, let's just pick the 2000s. The only real players who fill like a secondary playmaker, primary scorer, high volume, average or so defender type of mold who have won the MVP at the guard spot is Allen Iverson. And and some of this is stretching because they a lot of these guys were more so point guards. Allen Iverson, you have Kobe. Uh, Iverson was in 2001. You have Kobe in 2008. You have Derrick Rose in 2011. And then you have, I guess you could put James Harden into that mold. But I think even Rose and Harden, to me, are more like Westbrook and Curry than they are like Kobe, right? Rose is a point guard. No one else on that team really handled the ball. He was playing with Kyle Korver and Carlos Boozer. Then you had Harden, who that season was playing with Chris Paul, but Harden is a point guard. He averaged 8.8 assists that season. The ball's in his hands 88% of the time, or whatever it is. It's very not like how Booker plays. So, really, you could narrow it down to Iverson in 2001, who, you know, nominally was sort of a point guard because he was the smallest guy on the floor, but he was more of a scoring guard. And Kobe in 2008. Those guys both averaged around five assists, which is where I think Booker could be. 
two times, despite the, the, the league being so perimeter-oriented, despite scoring being so valuable and increasingly so from the perimeter, two guys in 21 years, 21 MVP races, have come from that type of position. And in recent seasons, you've seen guys like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, I don't add whoever you want in there, who have been unable to crack into that top tier and actually make a true run at the MVP, despite being sort of the Kobe, uh, the Kobe, uh, Kyrie is another good example. These guys don't even get consideration for the MVP. Now, I think Booker can be a better defender than those guys and potentially a better playmaker than those guys in time. He's also bigger than most of them. So a lot of those things are working in his favor, but I gotta say, I don't think it's really reasonable to expect that Booker will win an MVP award. This is a very August conversation to be having, but I do think it's very interesting, especially when you look and he's in the top 10 to 15 and it's almost like, that seems a little high if you really look at who wins the MVP. And if we are with two Giannis's and a Jokic back to back here over the past three years, Trending bigger with our MVPs again, well, Booker really is on the outskirts of that conversation. It's very interesting, and I'm going to be fascinated to see. I think it tells us a lot about the league, who wins the MVP. Will it ever trend back to a player like Booker or Beal or, you know, Clay Thompson or Damian Lillard? I don't know. I, I truly don't. We'll have to obviously see where Booker continues to rank and some of these odds. Those are just a few, courtesy of our friends. Over at Bet Online, which, oh my goodness, look at me, is a perfect transition into a quick word from our friends at Bet Online, which is the best place to make a bet on any of your favorite sports. We have football just around the corner. I am back in the wagon on fantasy football. I'm probably going to get pulled into betting some of these games. I have successfully held off on some Cardinals bets because I just can't bring myself to do it. But look, Betting makes the NFL more fun. It's only once a week. So what are you going to do the other six days? Well, you're going to go to Bet Online. The latest news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info constantly updated at betonline.ag. So before the next pitch, kickoff, or tip-off, head to betonline.ag on the web or on their mobile app. Make an account, and when you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. When you make your first deposit, get a 50% welcome bonus. Bonus, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone just like me sitting at a desk, just trying to make it through the day, Theragun can help keep you tension-free. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, plus it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stresses of sitting in that chair, once again at your desk, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines just for you. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams, as well as athletes like the Valley's own DeAndre Hopkins, as well as hundreds of thousands of customers and folks just like me. 
Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Again, that's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. Okay, closing out the show with one thing you may not have taken away from the Suns offseason. One area where I think they will be even better. And it's interesting to use the word better because I don't quite know exactly what it means. But this quality that I'm talking about is that they are younger. And maybe it's just the players who they had a chance to get. Like JaVale McGee is is nobody's idea of young. He's clearly older than the Suns' backup centers of last season, whether that's Damian Jones or Dario Saric or Frank Kaminsky. But just about everywhere else, they've gotten younger. And so I think that's worth mentioning. I think it's just interesting to think about it that way, that rather than an Etwan Moore or a Langston Galloway, the Suns went a little bit on the younger side. They retained Abdul Nader, which was an interesting move to me. They did not choose to keep Torrey Craig. Some moves that just lowered the average age of the team a little bit. And there's a few reasons why I think it it's not just a coincidence or not just something to be sort of scooched past. Number one is, I think that, that to me what it says is that they are building for the future a little bit more than I think we give them credit for. Now, I did a whole episode about the draft pick thing and the Jalen Smith. What if he doesn't hit and they don't have a pipeline of young talent and all those concerns are valid. But I do think prioritizing Cameron Payne, signing, re-signing Nader, moving away from the each one more types. Um, obviously, we'll see what the extensions that come down the pipe for Bridges and Aiton look like. But altogether, Alfred Payton as an option who I don't think is going to get much better, but is at least, um, look, each one more in some ways was overmatched because he just was not athletic enough anymore to stay on the floor against a team like the Clippers. You don't worry about that much as much if the guys stepping in on those bench units are instead Payton or Nader. Now, are they as good as each one more? We'll see. But being younger, I think, gives you more upside as a team, more depth as a team, more, um, you have more likelihood to reach your floor in a weird way, because I think we think of older players as floor raisers. And in most cases they are, but there was also like, well, Langston Galloway is an older player, quote unquote, but there's also the chance that he just can't survive on the court in some situations. Same with more, right? So I think in, in being a little bit younger, you have this potential to raise your level night to night, get better over the course of the season, and obviously you just maximize your chances that somebody can keep getting better and potentially increase their place in the rotation. Could we see a situation in which Nader potentially becomes, you know, a backup three type of guy? You know, could we see um, Jalen Smith make himself a starting power forward option? Like, that will be more of a question because of the playing opportunities available to younger guys on this roster this season. That is, if they keep the players on this roster. And I think that is the open question in some ways. I think there is a little bit of... It, it opens the door to the possibilities of a trade. It's just to, to, to speak it into existence. And I want to shout out... David Nash here, who has been on this podcast, it's actually been a while. I'm surprised I didn't, um, I, I didn't think to ask him during the offseason and the free agency stuff because that is 
really, in my opinion, where he's at his best. But this latest newsletter from him is very smart. I mean, it, it finds some little areas, whether it's the Suns and their situation with the hard cap and the tax apron, whether it is um, the amount of money that they can take in and give out via trade, a lot of little areas where David is noticing how the Suns are able to fit in max salaries incoming via trade, um, of take in players without going into the tax, all of these things that tentatively point to a trade. And he seems pretty like confident that this stuff matters, so I'm going to take his word for it, even if the math is uh, not always easy for me to take in, because he's you know tweeting about it and everything else. Very much a lot of David Nash talk on this little segment here. But I trust him, is why I'm, I'm referencing him so often. And I was thinking about it from the youth standpoint, and David's coming at it from the math standpoint. The end of story to me, though, is they have suited themselves better to consolidate and trade. And it's funny to me, in David's newsletter, he points out Buddy Heald, who, if you remember from the ultimate mock draft that we did around draft time, I was talking a lot about Buddy Heald. He is a player who still has not changed teams. But I think if we move away from the Pascal Siakam stuff, who seemingly is not available right now, and try to look a little bit more at reasonable targets, I don't think we go very far down the list before we get to Buddy Heald. And a player like that who is young, who you would ideally think he's not super young. I think he's 28, but he, he fits the timeline of this team better than say a Jay Crowder, um, or JaVale McGee. And especially a player like Heald, the reason he stands out, jumps out to me is you wonder what he could be in a better situation. And I think those are, that's the luxury of having a team that the sun, the type of team that the Suns have now, the type of infrastructure that the Suns have developed is you can bring some of these reclamation projects, and not only will Chris Paul likely make a big impact on them in terms of getting better, but being in a real situation could go a long way. And I think the Suns having the youth where they can take a chance on a young player like that and potentially have them be a part of their future. I really liked Malik Monk as a flyer option here when I was just thinking about free agency. I didn't really think it was going to be likely, mostly because I thought he would have more suitors than taking such a small contract to go to the Lakers. But those are the types of guys, healed monk, you want shooters, you want probably, you know, more perimeter based creators, and you want guys who maybe finding a, a better situation, more playing time, more opportunity could really help them. And so the Suns being younger, the Suns having some tradable contracts in the coming days, in the coming uh, months with Crowder, Sharich and the extensions that Bridges and Aiton get. Not saying those guys are likely to be dealt. I'm just saying the the contract situation is way different than when it was a bunch of rookies or guys on their rookie contracts and one or two highly paid players that don't matter, like Trevor Reza or Tyson Chandler or these types, right? You have some diversity in terms of the money you can send around and, and all these different things. So we are seeing a Suns team that is better equipped to make a trade or if they want to keep this 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 group in place, they're going to be able to put a little bit more of an emphasis on in-game regular season development this upcoming season. It's a win-win. I think getting younger was enormously important. I didn't even mention Landry Shamit. 
I knew that I was forgetting somebody, and he's a perfect example of this. Moving from Galloway and Moore and players like that to Landry and Javon Carter, who is most, mostly a finished product in my opinion as well, to a guy like Landry Shamit is a perfect example of what the Suns are looking to do with this regular season when they won't have so much pressure to build a winning atmosphere. They've already done that. This season can be about what do we have here, who can get better, who can step into a bigger opportunity, and what could that mean as we continue to build out this roster on the trade market. All right, guys, another grab bag. Appreciate everybody sticking with me. Subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe wherever you are listening to the Locked on Suns podcast. I will be back to close out the week on Friday. Until then, enjoy your day.